This is the roundup. Cue that intro ditty. It feels good to record these. It feels cathartic. It feels like I'm unloading a mental burden that I that needs to leave, that has been haunting me, that's cl- clamoring for me to uh, excise my my demons, the the thoughts in my head, the noise in my head. I live every day with music in my head, constant music new music old music music i'm inventing drum bass patterns guitar patterns it's it does a day doesn't go by an hour doesn't go by where i don't think of something new or reconstruct something that i've heard from somewhere else i'm not being flippant or pretentious here i'm being genuine it's strange and haunting that at all times of my life nearly all times of my life i'm hearing and i'm processing new sounds and so the roundup allows me to excise that demon just for a brief fledgling moment so let's cleanse my soul let's cleanse my ears a little bit after burning through sort of the typical krautrock act of can noy craftwork faust uh, I went on a bit of a fact-finding mission to discover what other uh, Krautrock acts there were to listen to. One of the ones that I found probably in the course of about the last year was Amandul 2. Amandul 1, or just Amandul as it was called, was sort of an anarchistic collective that lived in sexies Germany that believed in no laws, free love, and a desire not to have to work but be compensated for just having a happy life. They released a couple albums, but were pretty freeform, loose improvisations, probably overly tinged with psychedelic drugs and a lack of care and consideration for form and structure. The higher quality, the more talented members of Amandul f- formed Amandul 2, which is sort of a logical progression, the, no, po- still p- partly rooted in the sort of collective community that Amandul existed in, but much more focused, a lot more refined of a band. Uh, I've reviewed a few of their albums uh, at various occasions, including Yeti and Wolf City. Amandul is a little bit more of the progressive rock, psychedelic rock in the vein of Yes and Hawkwind versus some of the more motoric stylings of Kraftwerk and Noi or the pure uh, spontaneity of Can or the sheer audacity of Faust. Amandul is a little bit more structured, a little bit more organized, a little bit easier to follow. And uh, the one, the recent one I listened to them was Tanz der Lemin, Leminge, Leminge. Sorry, my German's weak. And uh, like the other Amandul albums I listened to, I enjoyed it, but didn't find anything earth-shattering or mind-expanding about it. It's it's another pleasant late 60s, early 70s, 1971 in this case, uh, psychedelic progressive musical experience that challenge, challenges the listener by taking it out to the sort of the fringes of the cosmos, but never too too fringy, never too daring, never too uh, ostentatious. And that's probably for for the better. It's it's never way too out there. Uh, the only time it really gets up its own ass, I guess, so to speak, would be the 18-minute improvisation Marilyn Monroe Memorial Church, which is mostly a lot of noodling around a band attempting to find its pulse, its rhythm, and never succeeding in doing so. So it just more or less flails around uh, 
slight grooves come in and out of the woodwork, but then quickly dissipate as nothing really comes together that is tackle that is really uh, tickling the listener's fancy. Uh, if if you're into this classic psychedelic, classic prog rock, obviously it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a good listen for you. It's gonna check all the right boxes. But if if you're not into it, this is not gonna be something that's gonna really alter your perspective on the genre. There are much better examples, and to that extent, there are much better Amon Dual Two records, specifically Wolf City and Yeti, like I mentioned, or two that stand out for me as much stronger albums. But again, Amon Dual Two in their early years produced a pretty consistent, pretty samey kind of record. None of them were specifically bad. Uh, the other one I listened to was Phallus Day, uh, kind of in the same vein. Um, a little bit more longer jammy tracks compared to Tons de Lemonje, which is got shorter tracks. This uh, Tons, uh, even at an hour and nine minutes, is running 17 tracks versus Phallus, which is an hour and three minutes with only seven tracks. So you have the 20-minute opener and a 10-minute closer, uh, another 10-minute song. Um, a little bit jammier, a little bit more daring, a little bit more psychedelic. Earlier in the career, 1969, uh, out of the two, Phallus Day is the or Phallus Die would be the one I would recommend um, compared to Tons. Uh, the overall, neither were for me standout Amon Dual Two records, but Again, if this is a type of music that you like, and I am a sucker for it, admittingly, uh, you're not going to be wrong in looking at listening to it and checking it out. Um, and again, otherwise, just fuck it, skip them. They're it's 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 a lot of the same kind of stuff. Uh, keeping in with that sort of kraut German vein, uh, uh, another band I got turned on to was AR and Machines. The AR standing for. Achim Reichel, and uh, then he makes he made this record AR and Machines. Uh, very typical of the time, in that you have a bunch of short tracks, and then your monster track at the very end. In this case, the eleven minute Wahrheit und Wahrscheinlichkeit, truth and probability. Um, this one is a far more experimental, far more atonal, far more disjointed record versus the uh, Amandul 2, versus Can, versus uh, other bands we've mentioned on this podcast before, such as Sunbirds. This has more of a Faust kind of vibe where many songs are glitchy sounding, like drum machines that are falling apart, uh, electronics that are barely keeping themselves together. Uh, the closer Wahrheit und Wahrscheinlichkeit is very disjointed, a lot sort of more like a sound collage with some sporadic drum patterns and beats coming in and out, and a lot of screaming, a lot of screaming and shouting and rambling incoherently. I don't even think it's in German, it's just nonsense. Um, this is a far more daring, far more fringy album that... I don't know if it wants the listener to like it, to be totally honest. It's just, uh, it's a savage record with its knives sticking out, ready to kill the listener. Um, but it's got a quirkiness to it, a very Germanist to it, a very disjointed glitchiness to it that if you're into far more experimental music, you you might like it. If, if you've listened to Faust records and you've enjoyed those, if you listen to early Animal Collective and enjoyed those, you might get a kick out of it. But beyond uh, toying with the fringes of organized functional music, you're probably going to find yourself disappointed, if not confused or frustrated. I 
made a bit of a mistake in listening to ARN Machines' Die Grünreise um, at the gym. And this is definitely not gym music. And once again, I was tricked because I'm burning through this album going, oh, this is a pretty short listen. I can get back to something a little bit more pulsing, a little bit more pounding. And then once again, we get to the prototypical of the time monster finale that just goes on and on. And I was tickled. I was definitely amused. I was definitely humored by it. But was I really loving it? I think that's hard for me to say. I wouldn't personally recommend it unless you're in sort of a niche pocket of um, avant-garde music or truly experimental music. Something a little bit more traditional. This may come as no surprise, but I'm a big of an anime fan. Don't listen, don't watch a lot of it anymore, but I have an affinity. I have a fondness for my period of my life where I was watching a lot of anime. Um, and being a high schooler that loved anime in the early 2000s, uh, I obviously loved Shonen Jump's Naruto. And because of that, I got turned to a few uh, Japanese rock bands, including Sambo Master and Asian Kung Fu Generation from the intro songs. Uh, second season's Haruka Kanata was a bit of a mind-opening album for me and a mind-opening song. It's a mind-opening song and a mind-opening album. Um, and it, that it really brought me back to listening to straightforward rock music for, for a period I was listening to mostly video game soundtracks or J-pop and things like that. And the record Hokai Amplifier, an EP, really was an album that really put me back on the track of listening to rock music. And then later rock albums that are later bands such as Sambo Master that, again, I listened to from the Naruto openings, really pulled me back into rock music, really got me excited about it. So I dabbled in the J-Rock and eventually got back on track and then listened to weird, trippy prog rock, and now I'm a mess of a human being. Um, Wonder Future is the first Asian Kung Fu Generation album that I had listened to in a while, and, and it had been quite a few years since I had listened to another one. I think the other one most recent, to be honest, was maybe Loop Loop or no, Landmark from 2012, uh, so this was three years later. Um, while Landmark obviously came out in 2012, post the Fukushima disaster of 2011, Wonder Future um, seems to resonate a little bit more with that tragedy. And there was, a, there was a period where if you were listening to Japanese music surrounding that era, there was a sorrow, a sadness that was coming from the music uh, in whether it was directly related to the Fukushima incident, the tsunami, and the, the humongous disaster where thousands of people were killed. Um, it's hard to say, but it, it's, uh, you, get this, you get this sort of pain coming from Wonder Future, uh, even from this very bleak uh, Beatles White Album-esque album cover with this white on white background with off-white text, um, barely visible. It's painful and poetic and the music has a strained quality to it um simplistic mellow but at the same time yearning and crying out uh the singer of asian kung fu generation always had this penchant for balancing sort of a melancholy tone and a blissful dreariness to him almost like a japanese billy corgan just a little less fussy and a little less whiny Wonder Future, while maybe not the most landmark Asian Kung Fu Generation album I've listened to, and by no means a landmark rock album that is being denied its uh, 
um, love due to its um, non-Western origins is still a fantastic album worth your time, especially if you're a fan of J-Rock. Um, even if not a fan of J-Rock, you're going to really like this album if you're a rock fan, especially if you listen to more traditional rock music such as Queens of the Stone Age, Foo Fighters, uh, The Black Keys even. Um, this is an album that tickles that kind of fancy. It's got a, a mellower tone, a little bit more of a pained tone to it, but you're still going to really enjoy it. You're still going to really like it. Not as good as Kunkai Faibumu from 2003, which features such wonderful songs as Furashibaku, NGS, and Jihai Tansaku. But nonetheless... It had been a while since I found one of their albums. I had listened to Landmark back when it came out in 2012, so it had been almost six years since I listened to one of their albums. This one came out three years ago. I'm hoping there's another one coming soon. I really enjoy Asian Kung Fu Generation, despite the name being a little audacious and ridiculous. I've always found them to be an endearing band with a sort of heart on their sleeve style quality to them where it feels like all the emotion is pouring out in such an egregious way and unlike some american bands that do or western bands that do the same it doesn't feel schlocky or overly done it's it there's a there's a little bit more of a level of sincerity but i can also take it a little bit more serious versus some of their western counterparts i like it a lot i highly recommend it hard on your sleeve but maybe a black pained stabbed heart is how I would describe Bauhaus is in the flat field. Bauhaus is in the flat field, has been credited as being the sort of seminal album that created goth music, that created this dreary atonal sound, or not atonal, but dreary sad sound that would find a home in bands such as The Cure, uh, and even possibly you could argue that it kind of paved the way for sort of emo music this pained uh hurt tone when i when that was the primer for Bauhaus walking into it i was terrified i was going to walk into a sad boy anthem in the vein of joy division which i love that for that joy division album you know that one but boy is it a little on the nose at times Bauhaus is in the flat field on the other hand is angry it is jagged it's ed it's edgy it's angular as we've joked about before these riffs are angular it is point it's set to kill there's a shrillness to it uh song and while a bleak record for certain based on lyrical content based on um vocal presentation based on tuning of instruments and the the drenching of reverb there is still an, a rage to it, an edginess a jaggedness that you cannot deny songs like dive with its with its rapid machine gun fire hi-hat tone do not fall in line with the ploddingness of goth rock that you might know and love or hate quite the opposite in the flat field is often flying at you at rapid fire the the guitars sound like they are fit to burst powered by chainsaws the lyrics talking of love death suicide murder the macabre and just being in pain and in sadness in what was 1980 a truly terrible year ronald reagan got elected that year it couldn't get much worse than that so bauhaus conveys the pain and sorrow of the goth of the goth music that would explode in the 80s but without the full goth presentation rather 
in the flat field reminds me of those early uh, Echo and the Bunnymen records such as Heaven Up Here and Crocodiles, which while definitely encourage you to put on some black mascara, have a, a sprightliness to them. So there's a blending of the sorrow, a blending of the sadness and the pain, but combined with a sharp tooth nature that uh, calls the listener into dancing, into getting up on their feet, and into being active. I like this kind of goth goth rock, I guess you could call it that, or proto-emo. I, I'm not totally certain that while obviously dreary and bleak, you're not gonna you're not gonna get anyone smiling and and feeling happy go lucky listening to this kind of music but you but it's not so plodding and morose which is some uh a gripe i could occasionally have of the cure where every song feels like a a laborious chug chug session every song feels like it's dragging itself towards the finish line bauhaus feels sprightly bauhaus feels uh energetic and it, it it feels uh Contradictory, especially when you look at this uh, gray-toned album cover, the simplicity. It looks like it's going to be either some Norwegian death metal or some slow-plotting doom, some dreary gothness. But no, instead, it's there to hurt you, but also to embrace you. It is the perks of being a wallflower in musical form. It is something truly special. It has been recommended on multiple publications, um... I would say it is a 100% must listen. It's a wonderful, wonderful album. Another album I actually just listened to today is one by Perry Ubu, Pierre Ubu, uh, The Art of Walking. Perry Ubu is a art punk um, fucking weirdo that really initially blossomed in the late 70s, early 80s, creating a new wave mixed with Dadaism that was had the heart of the new wave movement but drenched in absurdity drenched in psychedelia drenched in outsider art while some songs like rhapsody in pink and and horses may have traditional song structure other songs such as crush this horn or lost in art are extremely experimental and disorienting and uh, throw you off kilter either crush this horn being just a single siren being heavily manipulated and distorted into all sorts of hell and misery and lost in art being pair ubu smacking a snare drum screaming lyrics that um not sure if they're spontaneous not sure if it was a spontaneous production or if they were spontaneously generated but gives it this loose freeform feel that this was um very loosely concocted it's a delicate balance of unique art rock style music that um is almost reminiscent of maybe early talking heads reminiscent of maybe some of that early um post-punk like gang of four but then also diving into far more experimental waters reminding me almost of a captain beefheart gone Gone 1980, minus the ice cream for Crow. Pira Ubu's The Art of Walking is a daunting listen, a short listen, fortunately, but it, um, one not for the faint of heart. Pira Ubu's uh, vocals and lyrics, lyrics are often sort of drenched in metaphor, his voice high and whining and spindly, um, creating an unease, such as a drunk man on a karaoke night. But I, I always 
love a Pira Ubu album. He is very challenging to listen to, but often with a high level reward. Um, Dub housing being my preferred favorite of his of his works I've heard so far. Being a late seventies, early eighties band, he is channeling a era of music that is one of my favorites being early new wave later later uh the sort of next generation of punk um post-punk um post not even not post-rock but this heavy thundering uh baseline plot um rigid thick drum work and then the guitars and the vocals have this spindly vibe that just sort of dance around this thunderous rhythm section such with bands such as uh esg like i mentioned the talking uh not the uh talking heads uh early echo and the bunnyman records uh blondie records uh gang of four like i mentioned pierre ubu is obviously the redhead stepchild of the group being far more daunting far more experimental and far more daring but you're never gonna dislike it and you're never um, far more daunting, far more daring. And for that, it's going to have more of a niche audience. It's never going to be uh, as appreciated as some of those, some of those other bands, some of those other releases. But it's a little bit to the dis- discredit of the listener because Pierre Ubu is providing a unique perspective on the genre. He's providing something that you weren't really anticipating or really maybe even wanting. But upon listening to The Art of Walking, you realize you were looking for this kind of record, a record that takes the uh, – it takes the – music of the time throws it in a blender and spikes the punch bowl just a little bit it's worth a listen if you're waiting for a challenge if you're clamoring for a musical challenge but if not that's a hard sell um it, it's definitely gonna throw you for a loop at times crush this horn is definitely ear splitting lost in art is definitely a uh, bit of a middle finger the initial song or uh, arabia can um throw you off balance as well but i think there's enough structured music such as misery goats and birdies and rounder and horses that you're gonna want to you're gonna want to sit through the more avant-garde pieces as well he's an artist that while probably is going to be more appreciated once he passes away deserves a little bit more of an accolade now deserves his quirky documentary of you know smug artists talking about how they were deeply influenced by him intercut with uh pretty raw um undigestible live footage that you can barely discern i like him a lot and even in moments where i don't like him or he's testing my patience i value what he does and i really enjoy it and i really appreciate it i think that's all what my voice can tolerate for this roundup got through another four or five albums our next episode is going to be really good. Trust me, they're all good. They're all great. But uh, I'm really feeling good about this next one. I hope you enjoyed it a lot. Uh, we will be back soon. Bye.